Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Dear Edify, it would delight my soul to be able to write to you from a better frame of mind and report the great things the Lord is doing here in our local body. Regretfully, the waters of ministry have again grown tumultuous here these past two years. Two of my elders seem determined to make war with each other, and the temperature has risen between them to a point that their wives are no longer speaking. Also, I have a sneaking feeling that each man has drawn a faction within the church to himself, and both groups are calling for my outing. This situation is keeping me awake at night and has me crying out to God in the manner of David, quote, how long, O Lord? But here's the worst part. My beloved wife is feeling the blows I'm absorbing. She hears the whispers about my leadership. She sees the cold glares from the angry elders and their wives, and she's even heard numerous questions regarding my integrity. All this is exacting an awful toll on her. Because of her deep love for me, I fear she will grow bitter toward our members, bitter toward the ministry, and worse, bitter toward the church. If she is not kept from it by God's grace, it's easy to see how that how that might happen. Right now, I know she is bewildered by the twin demons of elders and the anger and the resentment. I'm desperate for your wisdom. How can I serve as a beacon to guide her heart safely ashore through such treacherous waters? How can I help her resist the temptations to anger, resentment, and bitterness? How can I keep her eyes riveted on the Savior when surely her flesh is whispering, vengeance is mine. I want this to be an occasion of maturity, growth, and strengthening for her. To paraphrase Paul, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this flirtation with death? Please send a longer counsel with great haste, faithfully your son in Christ, feeling battered and bruised. Well, battered and bruised, to say the least, every preacher I would trust, every preacher at some point and his wife have walked a mile in your shoes. You've heard people say before, hey, we've, we have, we outlasted our last preacher and we're going to outlast you too. You know, <laughs> that can be some things that, that some folks would, would share with you. Uh, and it's probably true. You know, you go into a local church, you're committed to being at this, this small rural church, uh, for the rest of your vocational ministry, as it were, you know, you, that's what you, 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 you aspire to. Um, but sometimes there's not even a honeymoon in a local work. As soon as you get in, people are ready to sit down and talk and ready to ask you what you're going to do for them and this, that, and the other. Uh, there's going to be dissenters. There's going to be folks who come to you very quickly. Uh, and they're going to tell you all about how the last preacher just jacked everything up, you know, and, uh, they're going to do the same thing about you when you leave, by the way, uh, unless they die. But, uh, but that's, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, sometimes you're you're by yourself and all you have is your wife and you only have your your wife to confide in you know and that's and that's not that's not good that's not good for any man personally and especially not good for any preacher um but sometimes we can share something too hard uh something too often where we lean on this woman too much uh too often uh too hard or or, or we expect too much out of them um Barry Grider told us in preaching school uh boys they hired you you're the preacher. She's not. She is not preacher junior. Uh, she is married to the preacher. Uh, that's that's all that she is. She's a New Testament Christian. Um, 
if a church requires anything out of her other than being a faithful Christian, then then you don't want to labor there. Um, God did not make a woman to be a preacher. God did not make a woman to be uh, a rational being who can who can sit and shoulder all the sins of the church and the eldership and all that. They're not wired that way. I know some that are more, uh, we'll say, tougher than others, who have more thick skin than others. Uh, but listen, when, when Delilah had Samson in her lap and, and she was um, uh, combing his hair, she really didn't want, she really didn't want uh, what was about to happen, what was about to take place. Um, you know, realistically, um, even, if, even, if, even if a person does ask you, you know, even if your wife does say, please, please tell me, please this, please that, uh, I would I would urge you to not, um, you know, if she gets mad, that's fine. But your your job as 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 the leader and the and the provider of your home is to provide protection, uh, and that includes emotional protection. You need to know your wife, and we'll get into that in just a second. But but um, but anyway, for the most part, don't don't confide in them. Don't don't give them all the sins of the church. Don't do that to them. They're not wired that way. They're not they're not made for that. God didn't make them for that. Um, frustration is real. Frustration happens. Mercy is is um, not as not as prevalent. Grace is not as prevalent in the church. Uh, that's a reality, and you're there. Um, and, and this may be your crucible work. You got to go through some fire of suffering to mold you into the preacher uh, that you're going to be. Um, this this can be a testing. This can be a an absolute testing. And there's nothing more more useless than a virtue untested. Um, this, this can be where you, you are confirming to yourself, yes, this is in the heat of battle. This is where I'm at. This is my life. This is my lot. This is, this is where I need to be. This is about, this is about my time. And, and I'm going to step into this, uh, uh, with the, the, the sovereign and governing help of God. And we're going to, we're going to fight through this. Um, now your wife will be in your corner. But she is never to be in the ring. I just want to say that. Um, let her be in the corner, but but she's never to be in the ring. Try your best to protect her. Uh, you personally don't don't lay things on her. Don't just do yourself a favor and don't do that. You know, um, our relationships with our wives uh, can begin like your first preaching work. You know, it's an ideal idealistic start. There's a honeymoon, maybe. Uh, but quickly you experience conflicts, you know, lots of conflicts. Who who left the cap off the toothpaste? Who, who left the towel on the bed? Who left the boots by the door? Who did this, that, and the other? You know, yeah. and walking through premarital counseling obviously is huge. <laughs> but what about some post, some about some uh, post or enduring marital counseling? That's also a must. Um, each one of you have different desires. You have different goals. You have different expectations. But, but, but through counseling together, uh, if for, for, for this battered and bruised preacher, uh, be, counseling together is, is going to be, um, it's going to be key going through some things together. You and her go away for a while. There's, there's brethren and brotherhood resources that allow the two of you to go away for counseling, you know, on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly basis, you know, social media and zoom and all those sorts of things make it easy for us to have accountability and people that we can go to and be transparent with and, you know, and grieve together and all those sorts of things. You and I have to le- learn, um, learn our work. And that also includes our, our wives. If you have a wife, you, you have to learn to love your future wife the way that God has made her. Um, 
and be prepared to live with them, you know, quote, according to knowledge. And that's something that you do. You know, knowledge is something that you gain as you're there and you, you are by, by dwelling with them. So if, if we are to, to live with our wife, according to knowledge, and, and, and I'm just going to address this because this is a woman who's having to uh, bear these burdens. You know, the, these critics are a burden for his wife, not just for him, but for his wife. Um, you you got to be you got to major in the subject of her. Um, as I said, men and women are created equal. But God designed men to lead, protect, provide for families. He designed our wives to follow the leadership, to seek our protection, to seek our, our welcome, seek our provision. Um, that's just the way that it's made. And, and we need not to learn how, well, how, how do I say this? We, we not only need to learn how God created women in general, we each also need to learn how God created, you know, our wife in particular. Your wife isn't just like any other woman. Do you know her strengths and weaknesses, her fears, her concerns? Do you understand what builds her up, what tears her down, what encourages her, what discourages her? Are, are you aware of, of the stressors that she can process healthily, you know, or, or are there ones that overwhelm her? Living with your wife, according to knowledge, is a lifelong learning process that requires diligence. Don't be passive. It is hard work, and it takes continuous, intentional effort. Um, merciful, mercifully, uh, marital love is grounded, you know, in God and the gift of his son. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit's work on us through the word of God. Uh, and it's lived out on the basis of his word. If you, if, you know, battered and bruised preacher, if you want your wife to grow and blossom under your care, you've got to build your marriage on this foundation. Uh, if your wife is wilting, if she's fading, it's your responsibility to learn what she needs so that you may know how to help her. You know, brothers, give, give yourself to loving your wife in such a way that they can thrive under your care and especially in your ministry, uh, especially in your ministry. Now, if she's wanting to walk away from Jesus altogether and wants no accountability and she leaves you and she leaves the Lord, you can't help that. You can't help that. But but this isn't the situation for this young man here. So as as let's well, let's borrow the term, you know, the idea of of always being in your corner. She's in your corner, but she's not in the ring. As you lead your your family at, at home, your wife flourishes. She she too, you know, will learn how to help you and encourage you. You're you're going to need you'll you'll need to help her, you know, learn how to do this. She doesn't function the way that you do. She, you know, you may you she may she may seem some see something as unloving, whereas you just need a, a minute of quietness. Uh, you got to work those things out. You got to talk those things out. You know, she's going to use words to build you up and avoid those that tear you down because she's your helper, isn't she? I mean, that's why she, what she was designed to be. And, you know, I, I pray, God, that she is that for you. Your your wife is going to point out weaknesses and in, in love, biblically, she's going to confront you, you know, in your sin. She's going to cheer you on, you know, as you pursue your dreams and, and stand up for you when, when others dash your hopes. You two are one flesh. And so she's going to feel your pain. She's going to share your sorrows. And when church conflict comes, because she is in your corner, she's going to be tempted to get in the ring and fight your fight. That's that's when you have to remind her that she is not going to get into the ring. You are the preacher, and she is not. 
you are you are recognized by the church and she is not you you are fully informed and she is not and so reminder also that that even though it may be hard for her to sit by and watch from outside the ring it's for her blessing and her protection um she wasn't made this way she wasn't made to endure this 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 isn't god's wish for her uh, and she doesn't want to go against god that's that's easy that's we know that she's she's good-hearted you loved her you married her this way uh i mean you think about job's wife um she had to be an upstanding an upstanding and outstanding individual a, a beautiful woman of, of of the lord because job would not have married some fool um and, and that's what he said he said you're speaking as one of those foolish women he didn't call her a fool he didn't say that she was a foolish woman he said you're speaking like those people that's over there you know that's that that tells us that she was not that that wasn't her per se nature that was just a moment of emotional lash and if job's wife can say those things in the in the in the heart and heat of emotion that she saw her husband give herself to the lord she saw her children die she, i mean they had to go to 10 funerals in one day i mean are you serious you know this this is this is battered and bruised preacher wife 101 and what does she say curse god and die that that might come out of the mouth of your wife some of you may hear the things that you never wish to hear about you know about from your wife you know where she says i'm only going to church so that you won't lose your job um i'm only here because uh, i want people to think good of you uh, i don't i don't love you i don't love this church i don't love this work you just um, i'm just here to to help you out um so good luck but don't ask me to do anything that that is a horrible, a horrible situation uh, in which to be. So she's in your corner, but she's not in the ring, and there's a reason for that. Let's talk about her roles for a minute, and this this is designed to help you to help her uh, because she needs your help just as much as you need help. She needs your help. And you're committed to self sacrifice. That's why you got into this marriage. Uh, Steve McCaslin used to tell us. Uh, growing up, boys, when you get married, two funerals have to take place, yours and hers, and you live for each other. So let me talk about her roles for just a moment. You know, biblically, let's get into these things. Your wife's primary role uh, is to be your helper. We know that from the beginning of time. Open our books in Genesis, and there it is. She is, she is the, the one who is able to meet you with help. That's the idea. This sounds obvious, but you need to you need to continually remind your wife and your children and the church that's God's design for marriage, and it applies to you, preacher, as well. She is there for your help. A godly wife is an amazing helper. And for those of you who do not have a godly wife, who 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 just have a wife, and I'll just leave it at that term, and she's not a godly wife, you know that she is not a helper, but she is a hurt. And she hurts you so often and so deeply and so regular. And our prayers are with you, brother. Some some of you don't have that. But a godly wife is an amazing helper. And of course, she's going to help you in ministry. But first and foremost, she, she must help you be a man of God, a faithful husband. And if the Lord has given you children, uh, an intentional father, help her understand that. Her role is to help you, not fight your fights and, and not... Uh, not to step into the ring, but her role is, is is to help and to fix. I know a lot of women that are that way. They they just want to fix. They want to help. They want to coddle. They want to pick up the wounded cat out out in the trash can, 
and and wean it back to health and and growth and prosperity and all. Your wife has energy. Have her direct her energy toward you. Re- redirect her eyes, you know, first to Jesus and to say, Look, hey, what what would Jesus have you do? I know you love me. I know you want to help. Uh, but this is your role. Your role is to not worry about what they say. We can't help that. You know, Nehemiah, the builders, all those, all the gainsayers, our, our role is to stay focused on the Lord. Nehemiah 8, the joy of the Lord is our strength, meaning the love that we have for God is what is, is our stronghold. Um, it's translated strength in, in, in all the English versions, basically. But 37 times it's used in, in the Old Testament, um, and it's always translated stronghold or refuge or you know, fortress, never strength by itself. But anyway, let her love for God be what build her up. Is she tired? Yeah. Is she having to wear these burdens? Yeah. Is she too close to the fire? She keeps getting burned? Yes, yes, yes. But remind her, hey, this is a test for you, sister. This is a test for you. Satan does not want this household preaching the gospel. Satan does not want you to stand beside me. Satan does not want you to help me. So you got a reminder of her role is to help you and to help you stand and for you to help her stand. Her secondary role is to be a mother. If the Lord has blessed you with children, as we said, you and your wife have a responsibility to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6, 4. And, and because you, you, you serve an important role, um, you know, especially in the church, um, it's beneficial for you to be um, father first, but in the case when you necessarily can't, um, that your wife step up and that she 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 be that mother that she needs to be. In most of the case, you don't have to teach mothers to do this, but sometimes you do. Some have what Paul called an unnatural affection, that they don't know how to be mothers and they don't know how to do kids and they don't know how to be kind and they don't know how to be nurturing. There's some mamas that are that way. And... Um, and that's why it's highly important that Paul said, you older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands and their children. Some of them have to be taught. Sometimes it's just not as natural for some as it is for others. But that's that's her second role is mama. First is helper to you, lover of you, uh, wife to you. And, and the second is, is a mother. Um, uh, of course, she's, she's going to be a faithful Christian. Um, whatever you expect of church members, that's what you you should expect of her. That's that's just how she is, um, and it, and it's and it's as I said earlier, it's important to communicate that. Uh, and when there are expectations that are 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 brought to your attention, you know, because she's the preacher's wife, you need to you need to ward those off. Okay, um, you need to let your let let the local congregation know up front what your wife's priorities are. Number one, for her to be a Christian. Uh, which means she's going to be a faithful wife to me and a faithful mother to our children, and then she's going to love the church. Um, that's that's just the reality. So let's 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 skip over at, you know out of her roles per se and kind of get into you know back into this the heat of the battle, if you will. Because all Christians are growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. All of us are doing that in various degrees, in various degrees of maturity. There's going to be church conflict. Preachers are often the focus of regular criticism and and even personal attacks. You know, that people can't swing at God, so they swing at the next best best thing, which is elders and preachers. And and so you and your wife will need to learn how to face conflict. Heart of gold, but but hide a diamond, you know. You got a heart of gold, but but you got a hide of diamonds. You know, and here's some here's some lessons that I want to give to you. It's no accident 
that the Bible begins Genesis two eighteen through twenty five and and ends in marriage Revelation nineteen six and nine, Ephesians five thirty one thirty two. Paul reminds you know us that the first marriage, God already had the last one in mind. Um, earthly marriage is is to picture the gospel, Christ's pursuit of his bride, quote, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present her, that is the church, to himself in splendor, without spot, wrinkle, any such thing, Ephesians 5, 26, 27. So, fellas, when you love your wife the way that Christ loves us, we picture this good news to her, to our children, to the church, but living out this testimony isn't easy. It's not for us. It's not for her. So you you have to you have to continually pursue Christ as an individual and pursue Christ as as a together couple, brother. For your wife's sake, do not neglect your spiritual health. Fight to commune with the Lord and lead your wife to do the same. And I and I pray that she'll be open to that. Both you and your wife need to set aside time to read God's Word and pray that your souls would be fed. Get sufficient rest that your body's going to be refreshed. You know, eat a healthy diet um, so that your body is strengthened. We are whole persons, and when conflict comes, if we're not spiritually grounded, if we're not physically rested, if we're not emotionally strong, we'll either crash under the pressure of sin um, or we're going to... Um, well, we, we just will. Um, if we're not spiritually grounded, if we're not physically rested, if we're not emotionally strong, you're going to crash under the pressure or you're going to sin in the fight. So pursue Christ and pursue this picture of the gospel with one another. And then second, pray with and for one another. You know, conflict reveals where our trust rests. It reveals where our hopes lie. It reveals where our, helps, our, our help resides. You know, to whom or to what do you turn when life gets hard, you know, in, in times of struggle and doubt, the Psalms are a rich source of help. Then they teach us how to pour our hearts out to God, to plead for his help amidst the trouble that we're in. They remind us, you know, as faithful Christians, we can be overwhelmed with grief and it's okay to feel hurt. They remind us that, that some, some of the most, uh, you know, acute pain is caused by those we call friends. And these psalms remind us how to preach the gospel to ourselves. So for your, your poor wife, battered and bruised preacher, take her to the psalms. Pray for her. Talk about it. Uh, remind her of where she is. Pray pray with her. Pray for her. You know, be, be that together, you know, um, Sometimes in in the most darkest times, what I've what I've heard people say, what I've read, in some of the most darkest times, um, it's always good to write out psalms for one another, um, or send them a verse uh, throughout the day. If it's one a day, or if it's a few passages a day, um, remind each other of specific ways, specific prayers, specific needs. Um, you know, and, and it would be so good if you would just take the time and if she could take the time to look at a Psalm and work through that Psalm and say, this fits here and this fits this struggle and this fits this worry where she and you are both rooted in the Psalms and in the word of God and, and God is working and, and sewing up the holes that sin has left in your life. Um, and, and that's, you know, currently hurting you. Scripture can cease the bleeding. It really can. It can cease the bleeding and just 
set things back the way that they should be. It's the way God's Word works, thankfully. Um, sometimes in, in our greatest weakness, uh, your wife can be in your corner reminding you of the God who is still on His throne, um, though the ground underneath your feet is is crumbling. So pursue Christ, pray with one another, and protect the church and your family. Unfortunately, um, gracious, in the midst of conflict, we're going to be tempted to say hurtful hurtful things and sinful things to um, each other. Fellas, you can do this to your wife. She can say this to you. You can do this to your children. You can do this even to the church. You know, we can't control what people say about us, and, and we can't control what they think and what they say. Um, no matter no matter how bad things get, the church is still the bride of Christ, and we have to protect her. We have to protect the church from and for yourself. So let's be careful how we think about church members, church leaders. They're Christ's sheep under, um, under his watchful care, under the eldership maybe. So let's fight. Let's fight by faith to think the best of people. Let's work to develop a, a very thick skin, a soft heart, you know, to the to the degree that we protect Christ's bride in our hearts from our own selves. We protect Christ's brides, you know, Christ's bride before others. Take your wife to David. Show her how she acted toward Saul, who was actively killing her, or actively killing David. You know, trying trying his best to do that. Protect the church from from and for your wife. You know. If you share with your wife every disagreement, criticism, complaint, um, you're going to skew her view of individuals and even the entire church. So so what you're going to share with, with her requires discernment, and that's got to be assessed case by case. It requires wisdom. It requires wisdom to know, you know what she can handle, what she can't, as we said, uh, and, and finally protect the church from and for your children. We know it's inappropriate to dump stuff on our kids, but it, but if they overhear us complain about the church or the elders or the deacons or the members or whatever, it's going to taint the view of the church. We want them to follow Christ and to love the church. So during the conflict, protect the church for their sake. And when they witness members saying and doing sinful things, protect the church from them by, by pointing them to Christ and to the gospel. Encourage them to pray for those who persecute you. Don't forget Romans 5 or Matthew 5, verses 10, 11, and 12. You know, don't forget the most elementary things about the gospel. And then finally, practice forgiveness and seek re reconciliation. Sadly, what's the case is that during conflict, our, our righteous anger... Uh, and I'll label it as that because that's what it is. Our righteous anger can can quickly turn into sinful anger. If we're not careful, that sinful anger will take root and grow into bitterness. And, and that's true for us. It's for true for, for your wife, uh, for the kids. The key to battling sinful anger and uprooting bitterness is forgiveness. All true forgiveness begins in the heart. And when we, when we forgive those who have sinned against us, God uproots that sinful anger kills the bitterness, frees us from taking revenge, and, and empowers us to love others as Christ loved us, Ephesians 4.32. When we love as Christ loved us, we picture the gospel before our family, before those who sin against us, and before the church. I hate conflict. I do. But what I've learned that avoiding it only makes matters worse. So even in, in, even in the most difficult times of ministry, 
be thankful that your wife cares. Be thankful for a godly wife who wants to be in your corner, wants to be involved, wants to help, wants to fight. And um, I want you to uh, listen to this one particular letter uh, that was written to one preacher at a very dark, dark time in his life. And I'll leave out his name for the sake of his own personal privacy. Dear Husband, as I sit and pray for you, God's word, God's words are the most comfort. David wrote those psalms for our comfort in prayers. They are wonderful. Read Psalm 56. Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Psalm 57, my soul takes refuge in thee. I will sing praises. My heart is steadfast. Psalm 59, let them be caught in their lives. I know God can do great things through this. As my mama once said, holiness is costly. You can teach the people, lead them to handle things biblically, forgive them and go on, whatever they may be. This is an important time for me also to fall at his feet and rely on him, which I have not done in a long time. I love you now more than ever, your wife. Fellows, that's rich. And I pray that you have a good godly wife who's that way. Not every, not every boy does. Not every man does. And um, so pray for your wife. Go home and love her. Um, it's Wednesday. You're listening to this podcast. If you have a wife, go home and love her. Um, hold her up. Tell her how much you mean, how much she means to you and to the ministry. Even if it's not a season of drought spiritually in the house, um, go home and love her. You've got one, and God has give give you her. And um, if she's not the most desirable, uh, if she's not the most godly, go and lift her up anyway, just as Jesus continues to do with you from time to time, as you were undesirable from time to time, as you were ungodly from time to time. Be that example for her. Lift her up. Keep her out of the ring. Let her stay in your corner. Help her to fight. Help her to know her roles. Pray for her. Grab her hand. Tell her you love her. Do things for her. Tell her that she's more important than the local church. That you love her. That your love for God is more important. Don't ever put the church before her. Don't ever do that. Don't don't make her second. Don't make her lay awake at night thinking and wondering how, how you really feel. Tell her. Use words. Be thankful. God used words with you. You use words with her. So, battered and bruised, bewildered preacher and preacher's wife, our prayers are with you. Um, we've been there. We've walked together. Some some preachers have horror stories. Some preachers, their wives have left them uh, because they don't care for the Lord anymore. They quit. And um, there's a song that we often sing, and it's something that we should sing. And from time to time, I can't help but get teary-eyed about it. Um as we sing the song, Though none go with me, I still will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Fellas, we love you. And um, we're praying for you. Preach the word. God bless you in how you tend to your wife. <laughs>